because it's like it's the only place on campus that has really strong internet so noise uh, had to come get that done let me find where my top three is wrote my top three in there perfect perfect i believe we are recording as we speak right uh, okay all right we'll clap it off uh we'll there it oh off. there's that top three that's gonna be fun to get into um our brother did let's some soul searching on that one i did yep <laughs> looking in the mirror gotta be real honest with yourself yep one two three Welcome back, everybody. The most awesome and brand Dana sports podcast coming at you as we always do. And we have a dynamite episode 256 for your eardrums. Guys, do us a favor. Please subscribe. Leave five stars. Tell a friend. Shoot us an email at mabsportspodcast at gmail.com. My brand Dana with me as always. The rock. Most awesome. Yes, sir. Your boy. That's right, yeah, man. Boy. The rock to my roll. That's right. The, uh, the butter to my baguette. As they would say, the uh, je ne sais to your qua one uh, mille percente percent. <laughs> sure, what's going Perfect, on, buddy? Brother. Nothing much, man. You know, just chilling. We're uh, we're doing good. Kamish at little bah, 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 bah. celebrating that ninth birthday on Monday. Ooh, Killing it. That's a lot. It's, uh, I got very, the, can I just tell you this real quick? I got very, yeah. I got very sad in the realization that I was like, she is nine years old, which means technically she's oh, halfway. halfway to halfway to being out of the house, which you would think like, that's the old trope of like the dad joke or the parent joke. It's like, oh, they're nine more years and they're out. But it was like, I got very sad. Cause I was like, I went from seeing this kid, like potentially every day to then none whatsoever. That got yeah. me. It got me in the feels. That's a lot, man. Yeah. yeah, that's a lot. I can't even like really remember. What's the um are there little flashes of like teenager? Like what do you see now? Or like not probably not not adult, but they're just like little like oh, oh yeah. Like I saw for like half a second, you're just like, oh shit. Like I have a little glimpse of what you're gonna be like when you're like 16. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we've been we've been seeing those. It's uh <laughs> we've been seeing those. Usually it's uh <laughs> I would I would say it comes out more in the the sassafras, you know. It's like it's it's very funny. She's like She's this beautiful little girl with a lot of, you know, emotions and figuring out the world in front of her. And to see it is, is hard. Cause I have to, Dr. Mrs. The commission, I have been like definitely trying to like let go and like, let her find her own way, which in turn, sometimes we hit the wall a little bit, right. You know what I mean? On the, yeah. on the roadmap of life, we crash into some uh, corners and, you know, but it's, it's hard to let her kind of go and figure it out and also understand like, well, she's just figuring it out. But then like, so, so Dr. Mrs. The commission took the girls because commission wanted to go to the American girl doll store uh, in Chicago. And so the cousins met there and it was big, like big, enjoyable time to, you know, do the whole luncheon, which is funny that SNL had that big American girl doll skit the same weekend that they went to go do it. Cause Dr. Yeah. Mrs. The commission was like, I did see some adults with no kids at lunch <laughs> and it was interesting. Wow. But back to back to that. And so then we just did a, a date, her and I, we just went out to lunch and that was like so enjoyable because there was conversation. And like you said, it wasn't like a little kid anymore. There was thought and, and she was sharing parts of her life that I don't get to see and then asking questions. And that was really, really enjoyable. So it's like, you look at those little nuggets and you're like, I'm so excited for that portion. And so if she has a sassy moment or it's just a nine-year-old, right? Then you're like, oh, this too, this will pass. I need to not be so like tethered to these moments and focus on the few and far between, uh, you know, adult moments because those will come more frequently as she kind of figures out who she is a little bit. Yeah, and I think that's a great take and we haven't been, maybe it's time for another MAMA parenting tip. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's like the fact that it makes sense that they are figuring it out. You know, it's not that they're adult and they're just like, they're having bad attitudes. Like this is all just like blank canvas and trying to figure out like who you are, like expressing yourself, how you react, what you feel inside. And it's just like, all this is just like new shit. So it's going to be a, a wild ride. Yeah, it is uh, for sure. Um, but one person will always be with you even after everybody leaves the house. That's your pod partner on this podcast. Yeah, boy. Pods to come. Yes. Episode 256, guys. Rip from the headlines. We're doing the NCAA look-in. So I'm going to talk a little college men hoops. Uh, we're going to do Judge Jerry Mabacution. We're going to talk a little Ja Morant. 
in the headlines lately, not for the reasons that we like to see. Mapter Dom is going to talk a little Lamar Jackson, where he ends up uh, going to hit that inbox. The Apostle Showdown, we're just talking about worst things about ourselves when we were 17 years old. And we're going to finish, as we always do, with our MVP of the week. Ladies and gentlemen, you're our power. It starts now. Extra, extra, read all about it. I'm talking front page story all over the world. It shook up men, women, boys, and girls. The headlines read, if you want to be rich, then you better make sure that you got your shit. Oh, come on. All right, brother. NCAA basketball look at. Why are we talking about that this week, brother? Well, as we were recording, I think we're about to pretty soon start championship week for most of the, mm-hmm. the big conferences. Uh, some of the little ones have already kind of crowned their uh, automatic bid into the NCAA tournament, but we're here, dude. March Madness is upon us. So we talk about it every year, and I think it's like we literally do, and it's literally at this time. But this, people are saying this year's a little shooken up more than most years. Are you kind of seeing that with just like kind of the rotation of the top five where we just have kind of one of those years that no team is really just establishing itself as dominant above the rest? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, even the perennial, you know, blue bloods, Duke is having a down year, uh, Kentucky, another, yeah. I wouldn't say down year, but down year for them. Right. Uh, you know, if I was, you know, if I was, uh, you know, Creighton, I'd be like, yeah, this is, this is, uh, this would be awesome. Right. Uh, actually Creighton's having a good year, but anyways, you know what the point I'm trying to make. And so the, the funny thing is, is that from a March madness perspective, I think that this is a great thing because there's going to be a lot of like potential upsets, a lot of good games from a marketing standpoint, from the NCAA. It's like, we don't really have that like bona fide, like tentpole. Who's the star? Who's the player of the year? Who's the guy that everyone's tuning in to watch? I don't feel like we have that. And, and before they used to hide behind the big names. So the coach K's and the Calipari's and, you know, I don't know if we, we have that even with a, a KU team, you know, Jalen Wilson is, is a great person to kind of market behind, but I don't know if he's got that like game. That's like, Oh, this is a star that we're watching. You know, it's not a Zion Williamson. It's not a, you know, it's not even like an Andrew Wiggins or Joel Embiid that they had years ago. Right. Yeah, so you're saying even with the teams, like the teams kind of shaking it up stuff, we're not even seeing stars anymore. I mean, this is like, we keep, it's just, it's the fact of the one and done situation yeah. that we have set up. Yeah, I mean, it's going to keep being I mean, like I mean, that. Last year, we, we had Oscar, I'm going to butcher his name from Kentucky, Schwebele, who won it, who was like just a, a transfer, a grad transfer from West Virginia to Kentucky. And it was just all hustle, all heart. But I mean, like not really like a very exciting you know, gameplay this year, we've got Zach Edie from Purdue, a seven foot four big man. Who's just like to the basket, kind of plotting Jalen Wilson. As I mentioned, he's, he's enjoyable to watch if you love watching basketball, but I don't think like, I don't, I'm, I'm not foreseeing Adidas rolling out any marketing campaigns, singularly focusing on Jalen Wilson. Yeah. So right now kind of our projected one seeds are Kansas, Alabama, UCLA, Houston, our two seeds are, it looks like it's Purdue, Arizona, Texas, Baylor, none of those sound totally wild. I was still like Alabama, we're not going to get too much into the stuff going on there, but that program has been pushing to their college basketball. And over the last kind of like four years, definitely on the rise and seeming to, uh, to not be surprised to have them up there anymore. So talk about this Purdue team a little bit, like always one of those bracket busters you're kind of thinking about that can go a little deeper in the six uh, sweet 16 elite aid. I mean, is this a year where they could actually make, you know, a run to the final four, maybe a championship? I mean, yeah, I think so. I mean, they they they've got the one thing that I would say is 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 it not in their favor. They're I think they're six and four in their last ten, so they're coming in playing their worst basketball of the season. But I do love the fact that they're, um, you know, that they've got a seven four big man in Zach Eady. Uh, the one thing that they do really really well, and this is for an unflashy team, is they hit the boards really really strong. Obviously, you've got a seven four center that's going to happen, and they don't foul. So they don't put opponents on the on the line. So they play classically strong team defense on the on the on the you know defensive side of the game. Matt Painter, you know, always a defensive minded coach. The one thing that does scare me 
this team does not in an era of three point shooting, this team does not shoot a lot of threes and they don't make a lot of threes either. So if they need to make a run, like how many times can we go to the well consistently and like, all right, we got to get a stop and then we got to come down and fight for an easy two. like, who's the guy aside from, you know, aside from Edie, uh, that's going to knock down a three and their second best player is a freshman, which, uh, in Fletcher, Fletcher love, and then Braden Smith are both freshmen, both guards, but don't shoot a ton of threes. So I, I, I feel like we get, when we're looking at a Purdue team, I know the, I know the constant variables, but give me that X factor that we need in a run, a guy that's going to like last year, Remy Martin getting shifted to the bench on KU created this, you know, this good offensive weapon in the rotation of minutes and brought him off the bench to give a little bit of spark here. So where's Purdue's spark? Cause I'm not seeing it when I watch this team on a regular basis. Yeah, that's pretty good. I think we just got to look at the, you, you, I think you and I had talked about it. We haven't really filled out a bracket, or at least I haven't. And, you know, like four years, right. this kind of feels like a TV series that starts now. Like, you know, episode one is the like conference tournaments and then you can really start to get to know these teams. You know, you watch as much as you can that first weekend and you have a little idea about the matchups going into the second weekend, which, which is kind of excited to see it. Cause you know, one team I've been watching a lot, cause I did bet a little bit is St. Mary's. So yes. I'm interested to see, especially if this shakes out, like what St. Mary's could do against, uh, you know, like a Duke Purdue. It just seems like that's there. Uh, and UNC, they're in trouble, right, of getting in the tournament. I think if you if you subscribe to Joe Lenardi and as a bracketologist, he's got them as the first four out. Um, so when you look at that, they're you know I don't know if he has it in order. If on his thing, he's got it as you know, they're fourth of the four out. So I'm not really sure if, if that's how he, how he ranks it, but yeah, I would say they're definitely in trouble. So this is the interesting thing. This is where it always shakes up is does a team like UNC in the ACC tournament, if they go on a run and win out, then this totally like this pushes some of those mid tier teams out that were like, you know, potentially excited to watch, you know, like, um, uh shoot i was trying to think like uh like a mississippi state or nevada like penn, or penn state penn state yeah. yeah exactly some of those teams that are they're having quality seasons for them that pushes them out um you know and and so i think that they've got to go on a big run same thing with i was watching the michigan game i've watched a lot of michigan games as of late and they like they were lost in double ot to illinois lost in the late game of the indiana game which was indiana is a 15 seed or 15 uh 15 ranked team and those games are like those games are huge in catapulting them into that you know 68 category so now it's like these teams have to go on a run there's going to be a team in the power five conference that's going to go on a run and thrust themselves into the NCAA double tournament and from like what your point is, is that first episode, those are the teams that I like to watch because it's like, is this team just like way punching above their weight class or is it like a talented team that's starting to kind of come together and figure it out? Like you were saying with the UNC, they've got a lot of talent. They've been there before. They played in the national championship game. Can they figure it out and go on a run and then sneak into the tournament and start to scare some people? Where's Michigan at? Michigan is at according to Lenardi is the second of the of the next four out after that so they've got they've got a leapfrog like 12 teams to get into the tourney they're 17 and four they played the Juwan Howard era has been not great from a basketball X's and O's standpoint they were they were significantly on a on a tear in that Indiana game and should have taken it and they that would have gone huge for them not only in in the seating in the big 10 tournament but also for like a for a quad one win please everyone that's just acting like everyone knows what quad one wins are all of a sudden can we just stop this like i hate when these things like come <laughs> rolling a new buzzword just a new buzzword yeah. it's like anyone that uses quad one wins you got to tell me what a quad one win is is actually before you start using it. I need to know that because I need to Google it too. I don't know what quad one even fucking means, but I've literally heard it in the last two weeks getting bandied about by everyone. Like it's 
Like it's like, hey, oh, you know, that's a stop sign over there. Yeah, just pull up to the stop, four way stop. We all know what that means. Yeah, I got it. Here's here's how I'm gonna help remember myself. If you use quad one win, then you're a quad one piece of shit. Is like that is like I'm just going to do that <laughs> for go. me so I can keep a quick finger on it right now. Um, okay, well, just right now, I think we'll be covering this a lot more as it gets in there. I'm sure everybody, if you tuned in to this to get you caught up on NCAA basketball and all its fixins, um, might not be the right podcast for you. But yeah. if you want to hear us break it down as it starts to as it starts to develop, we'll uh, we'll definitely be watching and figuring it out. Just give me a rough knee jerk final four right now. What do you got? Ooh, rough rough knee jerk. Uh, let's go. Let's go. Ku. Give me yep. a. That's one. Okay, three more to go. Uh, give me a. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> give me a. Um, shit, because I don't even know what the brackets are going to look like. Uh, give me a, 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 a an Arizona Zona, a okay. A Houston. I'm trying to think of like regionally yeah. where they would be at. A Houston, I really like this Houston team. And then give me a. Uh, oh, go ahead. Can I offer you UCLA? Can so I offer you thing UCLA, I'm, sir? You, I. I they're going to have to go in a oh, run good. and they just lost Jalen Clark, their, their best defender to a Achilles tear. So that's, I'm, I'm downgrading them slightly. Give me a, um, give me a, we need a story. I need a run. I need a team. That's like yeah. coming out of, out of the, the, the unexpected, if you will. And I think that yeah. team could be a, I was going to say Duke. No, I'm just kidding. Um, give me a, um, Give me a UConn, a, a Connecticut, a Danny Hurley led Yukon. Oh. oh, I like that. Okay, so give me, give me this. Give me. Um, I'm going to take a Kansas. Um, I'm going to. You know, I'm, I'm going to go Kentucky. I go Kansas, Kentucky, coming out of there, just kind of like that experience. I too am going to take a Houston, and then I'm going to spice it up with a little K State. I like was thinking about basketball, K-State. Big Twelve. I like Big that. Twelve does have just kind of that. They're prime prime fraternities for sure. I, would, I was looking at a a Baylor, right? A team that good coaching, right? That's gonna that matters. Um, but yeah, can I can I offer a couple just a little amuse bouche of some some you know some mm-hmm. deep teams mm-hmm. here, right? Um, yeah, looking at the Sun Belt, looking at a Marshall team, right? They've got to get out of their division, but I really like this. They got the two best players in the conference, and Tavion Kin- Kinney. And Andrew Taylor, both like average, this. both averaging twenty plus points a game, uh, five boards, five assists. Uh, they play high pass or high pace, get lots of steals, and they shoot threes. If in the CAA, the Continental Athletic Association, Charleston, shoot a lot of threes, have six players over, uh, basically ten points a game, and they all have players that shoot two plus threes uh, in a game. So I love this from like a 10, 11, 12, 13, like somebody that's going to disrupt it, just going on a tear, dropping buckets. And then going back to the Summit League, Oral Roberts, if you remember two years ago, they made a run, I think, into the Sweet 16 with uh, Max Abemus, their guard. He's back. He's a good shooter. They don't turn the ball over. Um, They have three players from that team, I think, or four players from that team, Two of them were contributors, uh, so I like a little bit of that seasoning in there for an Oral Roberts to maybe make another run, just to keep an eye out on it. Okay, so two long shots. Yeah, you you like to. I mean, you first introduced us to us when you took um, what University was Loyola, Loyola Chicago. Loyola, Chicago. Yeah, you know, Loyola, Chicago. Your touch. You have this touch. So this year it's Marshall and Oral <laughs> Roberts. Maybe I'm anointing a you guys. Splash a little something on them getting the Sweet Sixteen. I like it. Gonna pay nice. Gonna pay a little twelve to one ish. If I were to guess, um, all right, jump it up, Judge Jury Mabicutioner. All right, Jean Morant. Um, we don't dip our toe too deep once you start talking about actual crimes and whatever. Uh, there wasn't a crime, but he, you know, um, displayed a gun on Instagram. Um, another story coming out about him threatening to beat up somebody because of his mom at a footlocker. These are alleged stories. Another alleged story of him like pulling a gun on some kid that is like a 17 year old and hit him in the back of the head that he's playing pickup basketball with. And then we also had the, uh, him with somebody in a, a red laser 
that was, you know, it's inferring that that was the site of some right. gun after was it? with somebody in his crew. Yeah. Yeah. That was at a, at a member of the uh, just, staff, I believe too. Yeah. This is just um, a lot of trouble and what seems like unnecessary bullshit swirling around John ja Morant. Uh, we've seen players like this before. This seems a little early in his career. It doesn't seem early in his career. It seems it's kind of a weird sweet spot because it's early in his professional career. But, you know, sometimes we see kids get in trouble in college and they kind of snap out of it. Sometimes, you know, it can be uh, early in their career. Like I know we had a little bit with Meta World Peace. You know, there was uh, some shit there. But this just seems like like in a really bad spot on your trajectory up after a few years in the league. Is this enough to derail him or is he just kind of lost his way and actually going to, you know, back up what he said, which is needs to get his head right, taking a few days off, which was four, not going to change a lot of shit, but at least there's some uh, acknowledgement and it's not like a go fuck yourself vibe. Yeah. God, I hope so. Right. I mean, um, you know, you, you sit there and you're like, you, you are on the precipice of being like an NBA, you know, first teamer consistently for maybe like a decade. Right. We, we, we've, we've seen yeah. players like burst onto the scene like this. Um, well, actually I shouldn't say that we haven't seen this like this. I mean, coming from a Murray state to then being catapulted in and then actually actualizing on that small school play to then becoming like a legitimate MVP candidate. We, we really haven't actually seen that. So I get that there's probably a, a we're, we're in the, you know, in the hyping of, you know, uh, young basketball players in the AAU circuit, right? He is, he's kind of going through experiences, what maybe like a LeBron James is going through at 16 and, and, and 18 years old. Right. And I think, I think, I hope he can snap out of it. I hope he's taking this seriously. The thing that bothers me the most that I saw most recently is that they had a players only. I don't know. I think I shared this with you. I don't know if you got a chance to see it. I was watching it. It was from Sham's, uh, uh, podcast where they were talking about that Stephen Adams uh, who is a you know a veteran in most locker rooms and probably like a big big voice like basically called it they all called a team meeting for the Grizzlies and we're talking about basic off the court behaviors with a little bit of it directed at John Morant and then then following that was then the Instagram flashing a gun and just like just total lack of awareness. I don't know what it's for. And, and I don't understand, like, I mean, the, the, we can go into the, we were not going to go into the gun issue debate, but I mean, just the severity, like what a gun actually means and to, and to dangle it, like the complete and utter lack of respect for a gun just kind of shows to me like a, just a, a lack of awareness of what he's really dealing with. And I think that that is something, if he's got a team around him, he needs to start reevaluating just those that are around him and the influences that are around him. And Jalen Rose had a great, if you get a chance to listen to Jalen Rose talk about like he, he was in where John ja Morant was and wanting this like overarching need to be like, just because I'm money, I have money and I'm famous now. doesn't mean like I'm not down. I'm not like cool. And I haven't lost my way. And it's one of those things where I think that, that Jalen Rose's point is, is, Sometimes you make an overcorrection. We all have make overcorrections because we don't want to be perceived as X because we want to maintain credibility. And he's going about it in the complete and opposite way that you should be doing by flashing a gun is not going to garner you respect. It's only going to put yourself in peril and put yourself, put yourself into a situation where you could make yourself a target. Now people are thinking this guy has a gun, well, I'm going to match it with a gun. And this puts you in a very dangerous position. Guns are not something to like toy around with and joke around with. Yeah. Maybe that's why it's hard to break it down too. And why it's kind of, um, just to keep it all in context and for it to have the weight it should, I guess what's, and bummer is not even the right word, but it seems like a stronger personality trait than just a few, you know, slip ups or like just getting in a fight in a club or something that it's just like, a gun's involved in like all these stories, right? Like the Instagram, a gun's involved, you know, like the, I don't remember when the foot locker, but obviously like a site, like it's guns involved, like that basketball story, like a gun's involved. It's just like, there seems to be way too much uh, of his mess ups built around, you know, having a gun around. And that only seems like uh, a matter of time before disaster. 
Um, I don't know. I guess Matt Kuchner right now, you know, there's there's not a whole lot you can do except it seems very vocal. So if it's you just hope that he can like get it right and wants to wants to pursue a career because I mean we all want to see him play basketball and you know keep moving forward. So yeah, and this is one of those That's things it. with like his, see, dad, uh, his his dad needs to step up too. T Morant has been very vocal about being like you know a, a an ancillary figure uh you know he was he, he was one that was involved in the shannon sharp incident uh w- with the lakers and the grizzlies where that whole bench d- d- debacle was he was the other person that was involved in that so i mean t morant has got to be like you know not to put it on him a little bit but he's got to be the one if his son has kind of lost his way or or lost a you know, that, that North star of what's like appropriate behavior. Like the dad's got to come in there and say like, look, man, I was your first and foremost, you know, like first and foremost fan. I was your mentor and, and we're screwing up and, and he needs to take accountability in that process too. And say, we need to, we need to, you know, batten down the hatches and rally the, the, the troops a little bit and get some of these people out of here that might be negatively influencing you. If you, if John Morant feels the need to, to have a gun, like you said, have a gun involved, then he needs to actually hire private security, right? Then he needs to go in there and take yeah, it out yeah, of his yeah. hands and put it into hands of, of a professional. Cause he, he's shown, he's proven that he doesn't have like a respect for, for firearms that he should. So get in, get, get there. Yeah, and that, I mean, and none of, exactly. Cause none of these stories sound like that. Like none of these stories are like, he was pulled over with an unregistered weapon. And he's like, oh, I got to use this for safety. Like these, all these are him flashing his gun. Right. And, and threaten people. And that's right. gonna and that's gonna lead to, like you said, a very cataclysmic situation. Uh and, and a ruining of a yeah. career. So hopefully to the the map executioner, hopefully he understands where he's at. He's at a he is at a he is at a defining moment in his career and unfortunately has nothing to do with basketball. So does he have the ability to make that choice? Hopefully, I, I hope he does. I, I'll believe him if he changes because up until this, you know, these last couple of years, he hasn't really had any incidents. We had, we had no checker pass coming out of college or, or high school or anything like that. So it leads to me that, that we've right. dipped and we've gone the wrong direction. Hopefully there's enough right people in his camp and people telling him and a lot less yes people and saying, ignore the noise, just do what you do. Right. Yep. All right. Jumping into it. We'll lighten up uh, a lot of it for the rest of this pod. Uh, Matt Damas. Ooh, Ooh, crystal ball. Whoa, Mavsardamas to come from the future. And this is what's going to happen to Lamar Jackson. All right, Lamar Jackson, bro. Um, So he's dealing with what kind of franchise tag did they put on him? I hadn't heard about this brand non- of tag before. Non-exclusive, right? So an exclusive tag. What does that yeah. mean? Uh, right. Essentially what it means is, is you can... You can negotiate with Lamar, even though we've given him this non-exclusive tag. And if you give him an offer, we have first right of refusal uh, to sit there and say, we'll either take it, we'll match it, and then he signs with us. Or if you don't, then we get two first-round picks uh, for you signing away our our, which – which makes me wonder, like, why isn't the non-exclusive tag offered more often, right? I I would figure I'd be like, yeah. Uh, Yeah, there must be – yeah, there must be some. I guess the only reason you wouldn't do it is just for to save face with your player being like, "Hey, we don't want to lose you. Like, we just got to figure out this cap situation, so we're going to throw the exclusive tag on you." Because I guess exclusive means no one else can try to court you, but non-exclusive kind of seems like it's just it's this step in between the franchise tag and free agency, where it's just like you can leave. We'll help you pack your bags, but this is what you're going to have to leave on the bedroom table on your way out, and that's uh, two first-round picks. Exactly. Exactly. Leave the money. Leave the picks on the table. And that's the thing. is That, that shows to <laughs> right me, there. like, what a broken, like, relationship between the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, right? It's like, yeah, fine. Go. That's yeah. the that's the, that's the the vibe I get. Yeah. It's like, all right, well, you don't care that I'm here, but you don't want to lose me, So you're, but you're also not willing to, like, entertain and i get it that they had a time crunch they had to do it pretty soon here so um i get it from that perspective um but at the same time yeah i mean because probably if you're yeah 
Yeah, because maybe you're just like up against it. You're just like, I, I know what our price is for it. It's probably it's it probably is a little harder to deal with Lamar Jackson because he doesn't have, you know, an agent, which we've talked about many times before. But it's, you know, that's that makes it a little bit more, I don't know, you can't I think feelings come into play a lot more because we're talking to somebody directly about it. Like you just kind of don't have that agent discretion where it's just trying to do and get a feel for what's out there. Like you just have that. So, okay. So that makes more sense on why these teams came out. I mean, it seems like it it just seems like people just like, Brandon, I don't like the way you dress. I'm just like, Oh, okay. I didn't even know we were talking about that, but thanks. Like what are these teams that just had to get it on the record that like, we're not interested. Yeah, I mean, I don't really understand. Like, I, like I look at like an Atlanta Falcons team, and I'm like, Whoa. I don't understand the reason why coming up, but like, oh, we're out. It's like, really? Well, yeah. Could it be? Now, I I was thinking about this earlier. Could it be like a negotiating tactic? You know, what I mean, could they be like, you know, coming in here and giving them some negative comments right out of the gate to be, you know, like you said, feelings are involved. So it's like, oh, we're not interested in you. We're out on this conversation. To then maybe send some intermediate, you know, some, some bubbles across the, 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 the bow there and say, Hey, uh, well, but maybe for the right thing, you know what I mean? Are we trying to lessen I, his value? Yeah, because I guess we, we're we know we're not going against a, like a, a seasoned negotiator potentially. I guess, but can you lessen his value? I thought his value is locked in. I mean, with the franchise tag, but any long-term deal, the only thing that you're going against is, is market value to go accordingly. That, that, that's my argument for, a lot of things is like the market is set in terms of what a franchise quarterback is. You can nitpick me all day. You can nitpick anybody's game all day, every day. You can nitpick, nitpick Lamar's game pretty, pretty good. But then if I also come at it from the big overarching and just tell you immediately, like you don't even have a chance to negotiate with me. If you were thinking about it now, I'm, I'm trying to flip the like power dynamic in the discussion a little bit. And I can see a lot of teams now going, all right, well, if we follow suit, we're going to close the negotiation realm off. And again, it's, we've seen it in, in, in times past where it's like the PR supersedes the players and the production on the field. And now we're seeing like Lamar Jackson does not have an agent to go out there and like, you know, have the context of the media and shift that narrative to something of like, he's a leader and a consummate professional and everyone loves him. to now. It's like, nah, he, we, we don't want to, we don't want to negotiate with him. We don't think there's value there. That's so funny. It was just like, if like the Falcons are like Lamar Jackson, we got notes about your game. Like I'd be like, I got notes about the Atlanta Falcons game. Right, <laughs> like exactly. I have some Mariota notes. <laughs> I have some, uh, parlay notes for Calvin Ridley. I just, I got a lot of notes that I'd like to give got, back if we're just doing an exchange of information here. Exactly. And that's the same. You could say the same thing with the Raiders and all that other stuff, but, but Lamar and, and I, I think it's a unique approach. I mean, it's against convention. So anytime that there you go against convention and not having an agent and, and negotiating for yourself, there's going to be blowback, not just from the teams, but also the agents themselves, right? If players start to get, uh, it's bad for the agent business. And I'm, I have a vested interest, even if I'm not involved with Lamar or any of these teams as an agent to sit there and push a narrative that this guy's fucking up his career because if he scores a huge deal and lands a big deal, then guess what? Other my roster of players might look at me and say, I don't know if you're exactly necessary. I don't know the value to the the 10% you take off the top, not taxes or right? the 10% you yeah. take off the top. I don't know where you play that value if Lamar can go out and get, you know, 230 guaranteed. Yeah, I, th- I think we had talked about this before, which is a really good point. Like, number one is the information age. Anybody's contract, you can look it up. They can right. figure all this shit out. Like, it's it's out there. And especially, like, you're not talking about, like, a middle lead, you know, like a backup second linebacker where you really would need someone that's a little bit more of an insider, like an agent, to really know what those prices are, know what you can get, and know what that market is. Like, you know, you know what a starting quarterback in the NFL's market value is. You know what, like, you know what you can get, like, you might have to go to legal zoom and get them to put in like the right clauses to get you to set up. But like we talked about, just like Paul Aaron Rogers guy, just like make a copy of that contract. Uh, so I wonder if, so is, 
is this become more of a hindrance? Because right now to get Lamar Jackson, you'd have to give up two firsts and then his gigantic contract that you have to sign him to the extension of what he wants. I wonder if teams don't pursue him now, he sits out and then they just grab him scotch-free next year and just give him that extension and keep their two round picks and just, you know, get something going next year. It seems like right now, if you could be like a little prudent that the price would drive way down because the, there's no way Lamar Jackson is going to keep playing with this shit hanging over his head. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing is, is I think you, I think you're right. I mean, but then it's like missing a year of football as we've seen with Deshaun Watson. It's like, is that going to be the the best thing for a young quarterback? Is he going to come back and, and really be, uh, you know, be that type flight, you know, potential MVP taking you to the playoffs. I don't know. Next year we'll definitely like, we'll see what, what kind of shape he's in there. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think, I think this is all you, we have till July 17th for him to sign a long-term deal. Right. So I think this is all in the, like, let's see if how much we can drive this value down. And at a certain point, yeah, he becomes worth the two first round picks. I would, I would argue Lamar Jackson uh, in the in a creative offense is absolutely worth the two first round picks, given the value of first round picks, especially especially if I'm a team that's contending in the late, you know, in the playoffs. If I'm picked twenty and above for two straight years, this is not a generational franchise changing, you know, loss that's gonna that's gonna occur for it. So, but if I can get him on you know, maybe less guaranteed money, right? Maybe front load that guarantee up front in the next two years. You know, in, in a in a deal like uh like Kyler Murray's, which I think was like two thirty or two fifty, and like only like hundred and six was guaranteed. I, I, I if I'm the Falcons, mm-hmm. I'm going. Why don't Why don't we make this trade? We've got some good young assets. We've yeah, we well, know. So yeah, you know, if I'm Tampa no, that's Bay, good. Are you right? Do you take uh? Yeah, for sure. Guys, it's I'm still in France. It's the internet connection. We never, ever stumble over each other. Blame the internet. This doesn't happen. This is want to give you a taste, give you a peek behind the curtain. Uh yeah, because that's I was asking myself the question is like, do I take, you know, uh Lamar Jackson or Kirk Cousins? And you know, like that's with Justin Jefferson, even though, you know, I feel I still feel like honestly Kirk Cousins can take advantage of, you know, a tier one wide receiver a little bit more than Lamar Jackson, but I feel like it would rejuvenate and get that franchise excited if there's any way to do it with their cap, which there fucking isn't. I mean, right. uh, before we get to our predictions, would you take Lamar Jackson over Jared Goff? Oof. I mean, yes. I mean, for see, for it's wild. Sake. I mean, it's, it's I mean, wild. he's definitely like Lamar Jackson. Definitely is a better quarterback than Jared Goff. He's definitely a better quarterback than Kirk Cousins. But when you really start boiling it down to like that belief that Lamar Jackson has that extra umph, like it doesn't feel like to give up that much shit that it's that my like worst case scenario, I mean, worst case scenario, he gets injured, but just like my instincts is like a lateral move that you really can't see the changes for. And I just can't, there's not quite enough there for me to be like, you know, enough to take the Vikings over the hump. It's a different style of football. It's a lot more fun to watch, but I still don't, you know, I just, not for me. I think yeah. it has to be a franchise that like really. Open. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, I think mid-level like playoff contending teams, there's definitely the argument. It's like, does he, does he push us over the edge? And, and you could make yeah. the argument, well, we've got better, we've got better weapons around him. And could we jump like the Eagles jumped with Jalen Hurts? Could we make that jump? So I think you have to look at, you know, the offensive creativity around it. And I still think like if we looked at now we've got, so here's the thing that I love about the lions big is like, we've got Mark Brunel who's been there. who's a consummate quarterback professional. We have Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator. We have weapons in Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, We, we have Jamison Williams. We've got two running backs. If we sign Jamal Williams again. Yeah. Jamal Williams, we re-sign him. We've got a good young offensive line. I could sell myself on 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 that being the next generation because now, now, oh, now I'm selling myself on the Lions here. Now, and we've got the picks. 
if we give up the <laughs> later round pick, we don't give up number six from the from the Rams. Thank you, Rams, by the way. We take that, we build defensively, we ship off that, we ship off next year, later 20s. This is something now you're getting me. Don't get me so excited, B. It's the middle of the day. I can't do this this early. But I'm excited. I, oh I, can, I can sell I can sell this. I can sell this. And if he gets uh, injured, all right, let's just just find me. Just find me in, in an underpass somewhere. <laughs> just drinking with the closest the closest pub. We'll uh we'll put a little APB out for you. Uh, all right, my prediction right now. I gotta say, I don't think it's this year. I think it's next year, and I think he goes to the Las Vegas Raiders. Ooh. That's a fit. That is a that is that is a franchise that should be built on just entertainment value. People flying to see that team. It's not a true home team. It's uh, one of America's teams. It's it's naughty America's team. Uh, let's make them exciting to watch. Uh, let's give Devontae Adams a little something to be excited about. Yeah, uh, I'm so pissed at the Falcons just because I think it's just such the perfect fit um, that I that I hate it. Uh, and and the fact that they came out, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? What is your sh- what is your shit? Where are you going to go? You have a chance to take over the NFC South and you're not going to fucking. <laughs> Where are you going to go? What are you going to do? Who do you think you are? Who the fuck do you think you are? And especially with Arthur Smith, who's I get it. He's he was the offensive coordinator in Tennessee. So maybe he's got some uh, some early insight going up against him in the playoffs. But he's super creative. Fucking figure it out. I really I really like what if we saw Raiders are great, by the way. What if we saw Belichick just fucking go all in? Pats, just like we ship a young asset. You're close, but not his style. I think a discount. I agree. Think a discount. Yeah. But but here's the thing: is is we've found Belichick to take depreciated assets, and it's weird to talk about a person like this. So take it for the grain in which it is. But finding (laughs) a depreciated asset and and then turn it around. We've seen him time and time do it again. We haven't seen him do it with the the quarterback. But could he fucking sit there and go, this will be my 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 opus. This will be me reconstructing Lamar Jackson. And we're already run heavy offense. If I re-sign Jacoby Myers or if I get some tools around him and the defense, could we be fucking scary in the playoffs? Yeah, it's fun. It's interesting. Uh, I, I, I see it. It's a long shot. I like to take big swings. I'm saying I'm Raiders. Just, you're saying yeah. you're saying Patriots. You're saying In Mapsradamus, look, I'm looking right, at the multiverse here, so I could be I I might be wrong here in this universe. <laughs> I might be right in another universe. So I'm just that's how that's how I always win. If I'm a talking head, I'm just going to talk multiverse <laughs> every time. Be like, well, it's not this universe that I was right in. It's the other one. Uh, all right, we'll hit one inbox real fast. Eat up, boy. Uh, what is your personal best eating performance ever? For example, eating two pizzas in one sitting. You got like an old 76er? You got any like um want a I t-shirt do. for putting something down? Like uh for the oh sweet. Hit me with it, bro. Uh senior year, actually graduation night. Uh senior year went to Don Shula's steakhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously the former Miami Dolphins Hall of Fame head coach. He's got some steakhouses all over. I don't actually know if it's in Michigan any longer, but it was. And they had the 48-ounce steak challenge, where if you ate a 48-ounce steak, and so that's what is that, four pounds? A four-pound steak. You got uh, your name. Yeah. Yeah, 16 ounce? No, 1632. Yeah, three yeah, ounces. 60, yeah, three pounds, three pounds. Pound. Um two, two, yeah, two. Two and a half ounce. No, 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 48 ounce. 42? 16, 16. 48 ounce. Okay. 16. Yeah. So yeah, 32, 48. Oh, 16. Okay. Three, yeah, three, 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 three pounds. Okay. Great. Don't short three me pounds. on a we half a it. pound of steak. Here for your math. Beef. That's sure enough. Three pounds of steaks. Three LBs. Three Got it. Plus, plus. So I'm over sides. here. I'm over in France, brother. Just I just know I just know the metric system. I don't know what's going on. Put this in I, makes put sense. this in milliliters or something. I understand. Okay, cool. Right, exactly. Um so anyways, so uh, I think you have an hour to do it, did it, sides, mm-hmm. the whole thing, like, so potatoes, mashed potatoes, I think there was a, so a you, you have to, you have to put down, you have to put down sides also. Do they pick your sides? No, you get to choose. I think it comes with like potatoes and like broccoli or something. It's not, they weren't that big, okay. but I, I did it. I got my name. I have a 
I have a plaque somewhere. It might it might be in a box somewhere, but <laughs> you get a little plaque. You get to yeah. find your name in like a, a a book, if you will. And I think that then they in turn put it electronically mm-hmm. online. So it might be online somewhere. Uh, you could put a little quote. So I was in there with, there was Detroit Lions, Robert Porsche, the famous defensive end. He was in there for the 48 ounce, uh, ounce club. And then your boy, young MA in there. Mm-hmm. And the quote that I have is they're going to make a movie about this. <laughs> like just what, I don't know what that even means. I don't know what that's all about. Awesome. That was me on, on graduation night. Then Famously, we went to the. Did you do the the senior all night party after graduation? The like, yeah, we were, yeah, mm-hmm. we were like locked into a building so big, kids won't drink, drink and drive and go nuts. Famously, late at night, ten o'clock, just crushing pizza right after that forty eight ounce steak. Whoa, man, yeah, yeah, because you know I me, mean? like I'm pretty famous for like. All I eat at a good pace. I don't eat yes. more than I have. I have no problem not eating all the food on my plate when I'm eat and I'm full. That's a wrap. I don't care how much is left. It's not like, oh, there's two more bites. You're so much closer. Somebody have this last oyster. Like when it's wrapped, it's wrapped. Uh, I eat, so I don't really I eat have like a depression like, era. Think... Sorry to interrupt. I eat like a depression <laughs> era senior. Yeah. I mean, I think I could. I, I think I could get on wall someplace for eating like something really spicy or you know, um, most consecutive drinks over the longest period of time, for sure. Like, I think I could pull that off, but uh, no, no eating thing. I think one time when I was really hungry, I might've polished off a Chipotle burrito and ordered another one and started it. I think is probably the closest. I also feel like um, there's a night where like, I just kept going back for slices of pizza, but I remember at a certain age, I was just like, oh man, it'd be impossible to finish a pizza by myself. And then, you know, you get into college and it's your junior year and you look over, you're just like, did I just put down that large stuffed crust like all by myself? Like, is this going to be a problem? Cheese in the crust? You naughty Ooh, bitch. bitch. <laughs> 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 I need it first. Um, all right, guys, you have an email. Shoot us. It may be sportspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, Neapolitan Showdown. Bring us to that. Damn. So let's leave it alone. Cause we can't see eye to eye There ain't no good guy There ain't no bad guy There's only you and me And we just disagree Um, worst things about yourself when you were 17 years old I, I like this sometimes we take the We take a little look in the mirror A real self-reflection Yes A real... How was I a piece of shit? <laughs> Maybe not a piece of shit. Just things you didn't like about yourself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, were were you able to snap back into this mindset? Like get a good picture of the 17-year-old MA? I was. And that last inbox question really kind of really kind of helped me there. I was like, oh yeah. Let me just uncork some of those <laughs> yeah. negative personality yeah. traits that I have. Yep. Um, yeah, I did. I'm sure it's going to be a lot of, a lot of these things they should have made a movie about for sure. They should have exactly. Right. Yeah. It was ego on my list when I made a console bracket, just let last second. Edition. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm 43, I'll be 44 here in a few months, which sounds nuts to say. And like, it was funny, actually, Kimish had asked me when I was young, she just asked me this last night when I was young, like could I even imagine having kids? And I was like, or did I want kids? And could I imagine what it was like to have kids? And I was like, I knew I wanted kids, but like, I even told her, I was like, even in my late twenties, the, the possibility of having kids was like insane to me. And like thinking back now at that person who I was at 17 years old, it's almost like looking back and I know it's me and I, I understand who, like who I've become, but it's like almost looking back. It's like, who was it? It's like reading a book or a biography about somebody that I don't know, you know, like that wasn't me. It's like, I, I just can't believe I was that person that I, you know, such a departure for me today. Yeah. That's wild. Oh, we could even end this segment with um, like, if you could tell your 17 year old self one thing right now, what would it be? That's good. That's good. Yeah. We will do that. Uh, yeah. My, my life, not as dramatic change as yours. Like, um, I got engaged a couple times since I was 17. Uh, no, no kids. Uh, I would say my number 
three being on the list. Um, let's go right here. We'll keep the gate. We've talked about this on the podcast. Uh, I'd probably lose that bowl haircut a little earlier. <laughs> oh, we got some France. We got some France in this right now. We got some France Wi-Fi in here. Oh, France show up. Oh, yeah. France, France show yeah, up. Back? France show up. Yeah, there you go. You're back. Again. You're back. You said you said the, the I felt that trimmer. Yeah, the bull the bull haircut. That's a good one. Bull haircut. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I lose like that it. a little little earlier. I would say 17-year-old MA want to get rid of. I was just a procrastinator. I was like, I would literally just like wait until the very last minute and then just procrastinate all the time. It was a big issue, but I was able to like cover it up just enough. So it didn't seem like I was procrastinating, but I knew that I was procrastinating. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, So I'm going to give you two points whenever I get around to it probably right before the round's over. But I think it was <laughs> uh, those little procrastination humor, bro. Yeah, I got it. Don't I like me, it. Don't make me big for these. I'm not going to make you big. Oh, you got it? Okay. I thought it was the internet connection. Oh, I thought it was the internet connection. It was the internet connection. It was the internet connection. Here's the thing. When we bomb <laughs> with anything, it's forever going to be the France at Wi-Fi. You could be stateside. It doesn't matter, B. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Working on my tie five. Um, okay, my number two leads into um, what your number three was. Um, it's it's kind of it's a little bit more overarching, but uh, we take the path of least resistance a lot. You know, like you're always like kind of looking for the easier high school electives. Um, you know, if you if you're doing a book report, you're trying to like find the shortest book. Uh, you're skimming through your assigned reading. You know, you're doing just enough to get those B pluses, those A minuses, but you're not really like reading for the education or there or trying to like better yourself. You're just trying to get through. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I definitely had something of that in my console bracket, which is like, I didn't challenge myself. I, I, I let myself stay in comfortable environments way too often. And, and I think a lot of that was like rooted in just being like fucking freaked out by life, right? At 17 years old. And so it was very safe to sit there and be like, if I don't put myself out there, I don't have to deal with like rejection and not really understanding what, like what that actually, that will lead to growth and not like the soul crushing, you know, like uh, judgment of my personality that I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. What's your two spot? Uh, I was a little moody little son of a bitch at 17 years old. I was moody. <laughs> I, I, And it's something I've been, I, 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 you know, I've had my mood swings a, a time or two. But, like, I, I I wore the, like, affable, fun-loving. But then every once in a while I get moody and I bring it home. And that was one of those things where I'm like, uh, what's up? Why life's not so bad what do you got to be so fucking pissy about all the time so I, w- I would have some some definite moody swings when i was a kid oh, that's a good point yeah i'm trying to think i don't remember being being particularly like moody or like down i guess it would be like emotional though i think shit would make me i mean shit makes me cry now but i think i was definitely and maybe that's kind of the same thing just kind of like the different side of it but like things could definitely like work me up like real easy and i always like i like it now like i'm cool thick just because it makes me feel like i'm just connected with the world and like present and paying attention to what's going on but i remember them being like you gotta get your shit together bro <laughs> it's just like you are like way too gotta get another skin going here or something because it didn't seem to like anybody else had it but yeah i feel like that was a good one yeah um, i would i would my number one oh, oh sorry we gotta get there i was just gonna say no, like, go bro. i i sat there and we, there was so many times and even occasionally a time or two now but when I'd sit there and be like, you're in a bad mood. Why? Like, stop. But I would just like, couldn't help myself from getting out of that, that, that bad mood. And it's been a real struggle in my life to figure out like how not to let that like crabby, my crabby pants fucking shine all the time and like shake loose and be like, shit, isn't that fucking bad, man? Like, it's kind of funny that it pulls back to what we were talking about earlier with, um, commission at like the fact that like, you know, figuring out what you're upset about, not being upset about, and how that's just kind of a lifetime journey. How like you're constantly you keep checking in, and you didn't have that skill set when you were younger. Like you were just pissed off, and you're just like, oh, that's kind of like what today is. And now, 
you know, even as we get older, it's just like able to source why you're mad, compartmentalize that out, like see if you can come up with solutions, but not affect everything. Yeah, no, that's a great point, actually. And uh, I should not blame her for me passing on some moody genetics her way. <laughs> it's like it's not your fault at all it's, it's me and now i'm pissed about it <laughs> exactly um all right my number one <laughs> number one is uh my number one thing that was wrong with me when i was 17 bro i was too lovesick love like i would just let that shit yeah dominate my life you know you have like a crush on the girl like you're waiting for her to say something or you're dating her or the relationship's not going well and you just obsess about it it's all that you could think about no 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 for that yeah yeah i i'm i feel you on that one as someone who did not date in high school that was not my my steeds i did not have that energy going at it i totally uh <laughs> get where you're coming from uh 100 mine <laughs> and i was like scared of girls i would i would trust me i wanted to talk to them but I was afraid and I was so afraid to like make a move on any girl. I remember there was this one girl in high school who like, I knew she was into me and I could not fucking step it up to like, like ask her out or do anything shocking, like bro. Shocking. I, know, right? I can't, I can't picture. I know. I, right? that, bro. I can't bro. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So it was just one of those things. I totally get where you're coming from. Um, but I wouldn't, you know, that's the thing is I wouldn't, I wouldn't change that for, for much of anything. I, I would say like, for me, like my number, my number one was like a general sense. Of, and we can, you kind of touch on it was like a little bit of like apathy. I wish on the things that I cared about, I gave more a shit about them. You know what I mean? Like I was very, I was very yeah. uh, conditioned, not conditioned. I conditioned myself to like, not care about stuff because again, going back into that, if I don't really give my full effort toward it and it doesn't go my way, then I don't have to like feel the, the, the pain. I always have that like built in excuse in the back of my mind is to say why something didn't work out for me for the thing that I wanted. And, and that apathy was like definitely a big Achilles heel for me growing up uh, that I would have wished to like, gone back and definitely changed. Yeah. Well, I think you had a chance to change something here and that would throw your boy a life preserver when he's trying to make a procrastination joke. You did do that. So I'm not sure how much growth you've actually uh, experienced <laughs> uh, since in the 25 years. So that's going to be a victory for Brandana. Guys, yes. we're going to hop out of this internet before we... You like the victory? Oh, yeah. I guess I would change more shit. So I guess that was more of a reclamation project that needed to be done. Good point. Oh, man. You, you took that in the opposite di direction. I just, thought, I just thought you were great, maybe, dude. Yeah, I thought you were great, there. B. That's it. <laughs> uh, all right. So, we yeah, we won't push it. Uh, we'll do our MVPs of the week real fast. I'm going to throw mine out to um, Barrett students. I'm back here in France. Uh, what makes this internet connection all worth it? Uh, the students, are they got their shorts written. We're going to be shooting six of them over the next two and a half weeks. So looking forward to watching and helping them bring their visions to life. So I'm back into that. So I want to make them my MVPs for getting their script done. And let's go out there and get these captured. Beautiful. Um, my MVP, we just had the uh, NFL Combine. Lots of winners and losers coming out of that. Love seeing all those young guys earn potential millions of dollars and who performed well. One performance stood out to me. I really appreciated. Uh, we had a couple injuries, which is weird to see in the, in the NFL combine. We had a couple injuries, but one stood out. Andrew Voorhees, offensive lineman from USC, tore his ACL in the combine, but didn't go home, came back, sat down with a torn ACL and went to work on that bench press, 225, Busted out 38 reps. Love seeing that in the face of adversity. Hopefully, you know, the ACL won't totally uh, derail his uh, his draft status, but love seeing him being a competitor and, and going forward with that. Uh-oh, we may have had another power surge. Which is okay. Man. 
France is fucking this this hot pod that we're having. Sorry, audience. Ah, oh, fuck. This is the audience. This is the point of the podcast where I'm like, I don't know what I should do. Should I just sign off the podcast? Should I finish? the way brandana always does i don't know this is i'm not really sure what to do should i try let's give it a little run and, and when we send it to b maybe you can hear maybe you can agree audience thank you for joining and listening to episode 256 of the mab sports podcast i am most awesome coming at you as we always do that's like he doesn't say that but that's okay we're, we're riffing it's mine now i'm owning this coming at you as we always do brandana sign yourself See, that was the internet dropping. That was that joke. Fame. She likes fashion.